And we're going to get now to our ladies here who are with us. So as you know, we have Lucy Fall, Marta Mack, and Julia March with us. And first, ladies, I would love for you guys just to go through and just kind of remind us who you are, who your families are. We're going to put up a little picture of them so that you can introduce us again. And just kind of remind us what the main ministries of your family are on the field where you serve. Oh, do you guys want to share? What's that? Um, Hi, Julia. (laughs) Well, I see that my picture's up first. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So my name is Julia March. My husband is James, and we have three sons, Elijah, William, and Wesley. And we, for the last, well, for four years, from uh, 2015 to 2019, were serving in France on the border of Switzerland. We were working with John and Meg Glass. Um, helping them with their church. We were uh, working on uh, church strengthening there, and we were um, part of a process of trying to help the church become get to a point where they are uh, independent of missionaries. And the, we're happy to say that after a lot of um, difficulties during our time there, the church is at a point where they are searching for a national pastor. And um, so we're also kind of in a transition and looking towards a new ministry of planting a church in another region of France uh, with a a family who um, has already kind of started the work. And so we're looking looking forward to that. Justin is so flexible. We can just switch those (laughs) pictures. Marta, go ahead. (laughs) I'm Marta Mack, and we serve in South Africa. My husband and I, along with nine children, but two are now here stateside, which is why I'm here. So seven, that side with us still. And our main ministry is Living Hope Church, where Josh is a pastor and also has developed the African Bible Training Center, which is just a Bible school really for anyone in the whole community from any church where they're able to come and hear uh, the story of the Bible and uh, learn different uh, theologies that are biblically sound. Um, And then we have another ministry with uh, the baby home, and where we care for abandoned babies until we can find forever families for them. So... Um. I'm Lucy Fall, and my husband is David, and we have two kids, a three-year-old George and one-year-old Ruth. And um, we have been in South Africa in um, the Cape Town area from 2016 to 2019, while the pastor there went to seminary here. And so it was a swap. And so we are also in transition, hoping to go back to Johannesburg um, the next month or two. So. Great. Well, one of our favorite things as we get to interact with our missionaries is to hear the incredible work that the Lord has done in their own lives to save them. So let's just take a few minutes to share the testimonies of each of you to hear how the Lord brought each of you to a saving knowledge of himself. Lucy, do you mind starting since you have a mic? Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were actually married here at Grace, but um, have since moved Um And so I think I was about nine years old when a Sunday school teacher actually shared the gospel with me. My mom says it's probably from like the 15th or more time, but um, it's the first time I remember and that I actually remember um, asking the Lord to forgive me for my sins and and, um, trusting in his work. Now, Lucy, I have a couple questions, sorry. (laughs) Because your parents are believers and you grew up in a Christian home. Yes. 
And I just love the story of how the Lord brought you to your husband, because your husband has quite a different testimony. And if you guys remember when David shared his testimony at EWG, maybe a month or so back, a couple months ago now, tell us quickly, just briefly, how you guys have such contrasting testimonies. Yes. um, Yeah, he did not grow up in a Christian home, and um, his parents were divorced, and basically nothing of God was known in his life. And um, then he moved to California because his brother's here, and he worked as a um, as a uh, in the in a um, I can't remember the words to say construction. No, um, he worked. The yeah, point is, he, he worked, worked. <laughs> until he didn't have that job anymore. But but the the uh, influences around him were not well either, and so he um, started doing drugs and alcohol, and he ended up homeless. And then he ended up getting arrested, and um, the judge gave him a choice between going to rehab or going to jail, and so he went to rehab. And there he also, um, the ministry here at Grace, sends um, some different uh, seminary students to preach the gospel at the rehabs. And so um, he he heard the gospel, and the Lord changed his heart. And um, so when he got out of rehab, he was um, put in a halfway house down in uh, Lancaster where I was at, and he started going to the church that I was going to. And so that's how we met, and the Lord brought it about. It. I love it. You never know so, what the Lord is going to do, and he amen. brought you to from yep. completely different walks of life Correct. to now serve him amen. together in South Africa. Yeah. So that's great. Awesome. Thanks, Lucy. Well, I was, let's see, before I was a wretched sinner saved by grace, I was a very good girl. <laughs> so I, a, a lot, uh, like my sister, I was raised in a Christian family, so grew up going to church and hearing the gospel and hearing the truth. But I definitely was a self-righteous little do-good and cared what everyone thought. So it was really uh, the first year of being at the Master's University Um, And being in New Testament survey and Old Testament survey and reading scripture and really in the word that. And then also just making really stupid decisions and fear of man and uh, really humbled me to see I am such a sinner. And I remember thinking even in university, we had a communications class and everybody had to share their testimony. And some people that had those testimonies, like your husband, I was like, mine is not that great. You know, it's like, I don't have any like I was. But um, but then seeing how God saves a self-righteous, someone who thinks they're good is just as much of a miracle as uh, someone that he pulls out of the gutters, so to speak. But um, so he really humbled me and opened my eyes to um, who he is and who I was and just really grew me from then on in university. And even once my first couple years married to Josh, I remember reading books and I'll be like, how did I not know this before? Now I'm a Christian. (laughs) And he would be like, Marta, that's called sanctification. (laughs) And so that really has been the last, you know, the last 25 years is uh, just desiring to know him more and always being in awe and being like, oh, now. But um, yes, just thankful for his grace. Uh, Well, for me, I grew up kind of similar situation to both of you ladies, um, but my story takes a little bit different turn. I I grew up in what I thought was a Christian home, 
And um, so my upbringing was very similar um, for many years. We were involved in the church, and I heard the gospel. I was part of Good News Club, and um, those are my earliest memories of hearing the gospel. And so I was about eight when, um, you know, like you, Marta, I was a good girl on the outside, but I knew I was a sinner and I needed Jesus. So I did trust in the Lord at a young age. Um, however, my parents, uh, a couple years later, um, decided that they were no longer going to follow Christ. And they um, separated and eventually divorced. And um, so those were some really tumultuous years of having come to know the Lord and 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 wanting to continue in that. Um, and neither of my parents continued to go to the church. And so the Lord, in his kindness, um, brought two families around me who would have me um, either stay overnight on a Saturday night so that I could come to church with them on Sunday, or they would pick me up on a Wednesday for youth group. Um, and I just... You know, I look back at that and I think, wow, that was really the Lord's kindness in my life of allowing me to have a um, continue a Christian upbringing, even though my parents were no longer uh, following the Lord or or even having a position of um, spiritual influence in my life. So, well, it's so encouraging to hear God's tremendous grace in all of our lives. And just like you were saying, Marta, just to keep in mind that no matter what our story is, whether we were good little girls or whether we were the vilest murder, none of us were any closer to heaven apart from Christ. And it's such an encouragement to hear how he draws us from all around the world and all different walks of life. So thank you for sharing that. Well, we'd love to hear some of your guys' favorite things about being on the missionary field. And whether you want to share some of the favorite things about in your particular country or just generally about serving the Lord in a land that is not yours as missionaries, share with us some of the things that are the most kind of stand out to you as some of the greatest things. Marta, do you mind starting? Or are you still thinking? <laughs> hmm. Well, I guess um, I love anywhere that my family is, <laughs> so it's hard to. Um, but I do, um, all of our years that we've been in South Africa, I definitely can say, um, we can say that we feel like we're where the Lord wants us and kind of even where he had created us t- uh, to be and to serve him. Uh, we're especially thankful to be in an area where um, we're able to uh, serve and love the vulnerable and the hurting. And um, both Josh and I, are, our whole lives, had a desire to serve the orphan and to love the orphan. So we're thankful to be in a country. And I really know that's that's worldwide. <laughs> Sometimes once you leave a country and you start serving in the area, you look back the country you're from and see there's just as much of a need but we are thankful to be serving in that way and even having our children serve alongside of us um, in that way. It's been a special treat to adopt children from South Africa and then also have the ministry of the baby home because every baby that comes into the baby home, my children are like, please, 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 please. And I'm like, no. We're... But it's really so fun for my adopted children. I'll be like, that's what it was. When you we saw you at that children's home, we were like, 
I want him to be my son. Our, let's, you know, we talk about how daddy pretended to hide you under his shirt. And <laughs> so they are feeling what we felt. And so you don't always have that opportunity with adopted children. They can be like, why, you know, um, and that's also comes, but it's fun for them and fun for us to watch our children be a part of the ministry with us. We feel like we're able to do it as a whole family. And that's what we love the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just being in South Africa, just seeing the need and then knowing that the Lord has prepared us to fulfill one of those needs. And so that's been, I think, probably our favorite thing that makes us want to go back. To know that you're being used and there's a very, very big need. Yep. Absolutely. How about you, Miss Julia? So there are a lot of things that we love about um, being overseas together and um, you know, it's hard to put into words. I, our children are still on the younger end. We're getting there, but they're still on the younger end. So there's not so much ministry together as a family, but that process of a discipleship, teaching them, showing them what ministry looks like. Um, we love being together as a family. We love finding adventures together as a family. And so whatever that is, you know, um, for us this last year, we've been on furlough and, um, one of the hardships of that is, you know, lacking a home or not knowing where home is. And, and for our children, especially, um, you know, my husband and I can easily say, well, we were born in Pennsylvania, so that's our physical home. Or, you know, Grace Church, we spent almost seven years here while he was in seminary and after. And this feels like our spiritual home. But for our kids, there's kind of that sense of, well, where is home? And so just constantly teaching them home is our home, of course, is in heaven, but our home is wherever we are together as a family. And, um, so it's been a neat process. I think the process of being overseas and then the process of being home on furlough of seeing them grow in those areas of, um, you know, life is an adventure. What, what the Lord has put before us, you know, we don't, we don't always know what the next steps are going to be and learning. It, it's hard. There are tears in this too. <laughs> this isn't the tears aren't my favorite part, but the, but seeing them grow in these areas of, of learning to be flexible and, and adaptable and teachable, um, things that I would have never dreamed of as an eight or nine year old. I never wanted to leave my school, my home, my friends, and, um, you know, those can be hardships, but there are blessings in that too. And I think that, you know, through all the trials that we face overseas and the things that we go through as a family, I think often what stands out the most is the Lord's goodness through all of that and his constant faithfulness and, and just seeing his word come alive in the process of ministry too. I, I think those are some of our favorite aspects of it. Sure. Sometimes his characteristics just shine all the brighter when there's not kind of the facade of um, just a self-sufficiency when it's a little bit more straight in your face. It's just such a joy to be experiencing those regularly. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those challenges that whether you've been on the field for three years or 13 or 14 years, 
there's definitely challenges, whether they're inconveniences that are just kind of some of the fun of living in a different culture or all the way through to major trials that you're experiencing. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing some of those with us um, and how the Lord sustained you through that or is sustaining you even through that time now. Um, and just some of the truths maybe that you meditated on or the Lord really uh, showed you through those times. I'll, I'll start. Um, so there are three, I think there are three major things that I can think of right now. Um, I'm talking about trials and challenges that we've experienced. And um, during our four years in France, uh, we had, we had been living in France for about a year and a half. And, um, you know, there's a lot of ugliness in the process of adapting to a new uh, country and culture and language. <laughs> and, um, so, um, it was, um, the new year of 2017 and I had an accident with our two-year-old and we fell down the steps of the house that we were renting. And he ended up having to be hospitalized for two weeks. He had a broken leg and, um, <laughs> I can still remember, um, Meg Glass had said to me, um, welcome to deep France. Um, because in this hospital, there were no translators. There was no one who spoke English. And, um, and just that, that moment of, um, you know, you desperation, um, because, um, you know, there's nothing that you could do to control or keep this accident from happening. And God is sovereign over these um, challenges that we face. And and that was one of the truths that stood out the most in my heart during that time, because, you know, as a mother, you bear this weight of, you know, I was carrying him and, and how is it even possible that I slipped on that step? And um, the guilt of having this accident happen um, but the Lord, you know, he, he really did in the midst of those difficult weeks apart from each other. I was about 45 minutes away from our, our home, um, staying with Wesley in the hospital while James was at home with our other two sons. And so just that hardship and that trial and, and growing through that and realizing, you know, the Lord can use this, um, you know, to, first of all, to be a witness to those around us because, um, you know, within the culture, it's, it can be very miserable and people are very negative and to, for them to see you going through this and to see that you are holding on to your faith and, and trusting in the Lord through that process and joyful, like that we haven't lost our joy. Um, that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that there weren't tears, shed during that process and there weren't frustrations because there were a lot of frustrations and um in 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 my best french i communicated with doctors and i know i made a lot of mistakes but the lord um you know he was so gracious through that and then another trial that we went through shortly thereafter was um a trial within the church that we were a part of and um you know, one of the most well-loved families within the church, um, one of our closest friends in the church, the the husband was a former elder and um, basically decided that he no longer believed that Jesus was the son of God. And um, so you, 
you start going through this process of trying to understand why, you know, why is this well-loved family who has, you know, faithfully followed the Lord for 20 plus years, what, what's going on? How were they misled? And, um, and, um, it really was kind of the starting point to a real huge trial in our church, um, that actually ended up, um, bringing our church down to about, uh, 50% of the people that we originally had. So we lost 50% of our church through this process. And, um, but the, the, having, having stood through that trial together and with the glass family, um, you know, the encouragements were one, we saw the scriptures come alive. Um, when, when you're reading, um, the warnings of, of wolves coming in from among you, you're seeing this happen right in front of your eyes and you're, you're seeing the people react like they did in the new Testament. And, um, there is, there is great encouragement in that. And the, the other great encouragement is that we saw those who left the church were those who were only there for the show. And those who remained were the ones who were really truly hungry for the word of God and what a blessing it was to come through to the other side of that trial and see a healthy church with believers who are hungry for the Lord. And, um, yeah, so to be encouraged by that. And then um, I'm probably talking too much. No, please continue. <laughs> and then the the third thing I just was going to mention is is just this year on furlough and um, the the challenges that come with that of, of the uncertainties. We get a lot of questions of, you know, when are we going back to France? What does that look like? And, um, you know, all of our belongings are in a storage facility somewhere in France. We, you know, you don't have any access to them right now. And, um, you know, our desire is to return and join this new family that we would plant a church with. And the Lord knows that. And um, the hardships in that of, of just not knowing where we're living um, not knowing how long we're going to be in one place, um, you know, waiting on support, waiting on churches to decide if they have it in their budget to support the ministry. Um, but the Lord knows all that. And, and this is actually all very fresh for me. We literally last night decided that we're extending our stay here in California. And so as of last night, we we're figuring out, well, where are we going to stay? And that's a prayer request. We don't have a place to stay. So um, <laughs> we do have places to stay, but we're looking for something with, with something that we could stay as, as a family on our own. Um, because over the course of a year, we've been in a lot of different people's homes. And as a family of five, trying to homeschool and trying to just have a normal um, family autonomy, the, the process of what your day looks like and not, not, yeah, kind of not overlapping with another family or what that looks like. Um, so you're you're learning uh, kind of what I mentioned earlier, a lot of flexibility and and just being stretched beyond what you thought you were able to stretch. Um, but again, so just this morning I was reading in Psalms and just reminded that, you know, when my anxious thoughts consume me, God's consolations will delight my soul, that I can be encouraged with his word and that, and, and the reminder that he is going to provide, um, wherever we go, he has 
he has known that this decision would happen since the beginning of time. And, um, you know, he is sovereign over all of these things that he will provide, and he is faithful to do that. That's great. Thanks, Julia. And you'll have the joy of seeing him provide, which yeah. you can praise him for. Yeah. Thanks. Um, one of the trials I remember is just, I mean, it's a blessing, but it's also just change. Um, we were married about a week, and then David started his um, last year's seminary. And then we had a baby, and he was two months old, and we went to South Africa. And so I thought I was doing really well after the first several weeks of just, you know, wide-eyed shock of where we're at. And and um, you can't even go to the grocery store. And, I mean, you go to the grocery store, and all the labels are different. You can't distinguish what's mustard, what's mayonnaise, what's because the, because the labels are different. You know, and you're just like, what in the world? And so I just remember going out of the grocery store so many times not having gotten what I needed because you're just overwhelmed. <laughs> And so the first few weeks of that, I thought, okay, okay, we're, we're, I'm doing you know, pretty good. We're okay. And then I think it was almost, almost a year. David's like, hey, you're washing the dishes again. Hey, I thought it was going to be like this for the rest of our marriage. I'm like, what are you talking about? But I realized I was taking care of the baby and I was providing meals. And that was like, that was it. And so anything extra, like, oh, the floor needs to be washed. Oh, I need to sweep the dishes. It was just like, it was, it was overwhelming, um, lots of tears. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, so in that year towards that, that, um, that process was just um, lots of, you know, asking my husband to help, um, crying, and then uh, just, he just pulled me back to scriptures, pointed me back to the Lord, you know, who are, who are we doing this for? Who's your family? Um, you know, the Lord is sufficient. And then, um, but in that year, um, the baby started sleeping through the night. Things weren't amen, it's right. <laughs> Cheers all around. <laughs> there wasn't, you know, all, all those newness of the shock had started to, you know, become almost normal. And then I was in the Word a lot more, just reading it myself, listening to some wives' sermons. And then, um, yeah, just and that, I think, is what, you know, just, just being immersed in the Word is changed my my priorities to, oh, one more thing to, okay, what else can I do today, Lord? What do you have for me? You know, what, how can I help my husband instead of, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> so that was my, my main one. Well, I think the yeah challenges of living in a foreign country as a foreigner, probably typical for a lot of missionaries because it's new and unfamiliar. And, um, uh, but South Africa's a first world and third world, so we have uh, both worlds together. I think, um, yeah, Josh, uh, we've had that question, and sometimes we struggle to answer what are the challenges um, because we do love living in South Africa. Um, we joke sometimes, like in America, you can kill three birds with one stone, and it's very true in South Africa that you can build, kill one bird with three stones. <laughs> So we got have gotten used to that. But we can most recently say that we have never really felt like we've um, had to make a lot of sacrifices to be in South Africa until now with our girls on this side of the ocean. So it's really the first time in 14 years that we're like, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a sacrifice to have them uh, living so far away. And, um, yeah, trials are 
and would come our way no matter where we lived in the world. They're promised to us. Um, but yeah, also to be far away from family and the girls um, um, during trials is difficult. And for us um, in our ministry at the church, there's so many different cultures a part of our church. So for me personally, as Josh's wife, um, can feel those pressures of culture, like the you know a, a lady from Congo that's part of our church will come to me and be like, "You are the mom to the whole church." So just recently, she was like, "I was sad last week. Why didn't you come visit me?" I was like, "I didn't know. I'm sorry." But they, I'm like, you know, if you say you didn't invite me, they're like, "No, we don't invite. You are supposed to just come." <laughs> so um, yeah, so there's those different polls that probably every lady at ministry feels in the culture, but. Um, um, yeah, one particular, you can just pray for our family. We've been through a hard trial this year that has just been, honestly, has been um, really, really hard. Has probably thrown me more than walking through cancer the year before. But um, And isn't something that we could talk about a whole lot, but it was ministry family all wrapped up in one ball and has um, really uh, been a hard year Um but I can say if you were at church on Sunday evening, man, I was so encouraged. I was just so encouraged. Um, and a good reminder for the joy set before us, um, the how, how Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And he is our example and how to walk through trials. So, um, yeah, so thankful for how God's word encourages us and picks us back up and keeps us going in the race. So, um, but, yeah, I love we love I love um, being given more time to run the race with Josh and my kids. And uh, I know it's going to be hard. I told Josh I've only when someone's running a race, they only look happy at the beginning and when they end. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> Another hard year. It is the race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marta, you look good as you're sweating through that race. <laughs> Well, we've talked a little bit, touched on just having children overseas and just the impact of that in our families. And um, that's sometimes a concern as people look in even just the question of raising children on the mission field. I know that when we were on the field and we'd come back from furlough a couple of times getting questions from people like, wow, you guys serve in Russia. And we'd say yes. And they said, well, what about your children? Do you take them? And I thought... Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> but for even people outside the church, but then even inside, just that there's a concern. There's a level of concern that you would consider raising children um, overseas. And yet at the same time, there's tremendous benefit and blessings to that. So if we can just touch on that a little bit, what do you guys see as some of the benefits to raising children overseas? <laughs> Anyway, I, I know how to I can. Okay. <laughs> we have always said we love it, and I think we've been there. Um, only my three oldest girls were born here on this side of the ocean, and all their other children there. Um, so that is home for them. So I know even at some of the missions conferences, my kids were surprised that some of the kids are like, um, "Oh, living in would." They just were like, "It's was more of a." A shock to them because South Africa 
is their home. It's what they know. America is the beach in Disneyland, you know, <laughs> um, and South Africa is home. Um, but we're thankful to be serving as missionaries and and just be able to do life together. Like I said before, the ministry together, um, thankfully able to homeschool in South Africa. It's getting a little bit more familiar there. Um, but to be able to do that together and... Um, yeah, so it's not, hasn't been, we don't have that language where we have to learn another language. We have the silly little things like, we were just laughing about this on Sunday with Tanya, but, um, you know, we're like, I would like water. And they were like, we don't have that. We're like, water, I would like water. And they're like, oh, but just the, it's the English. So we don't have to learn a foreign language. We just have to learn how to say our English words a little bit different. <laughs> I mean, like at the grocery store, or where are the carts? And they're like, we don't have carts. I'm like, we don't have a trolley. Where is the trolley? So, um, but the, yeah, no, my kids, they love that they talk that way. Uh, and it's, yeah, we have enjoyed. I was excited to hear your guys' answers. <laughs> um, yeah, that just the blessing of, like you said, being together as a family. Um, but then I can't really say anything else. I mean, ours are three and one, and he can, our three-year-old continues to ask when we're going home, and he means South Africa. But I think he also means that church we were in. We're like, we're not going back to that home, but we will go back to South Africa. You know, that's our plan. And so, so yeah, I mean, but, um, but yeah, it's just a blessing. So I think um, for us, some benefits of of raising our sons overseas, I mean, when we left, they were seven, four, and one. And so, um, of course, the one-year-old thinks that France is home. Um, he, that's where he thinks that home is. Um, and, and for us, we try to, um, you know, the culture in France, there, there, are a lot, there are a lot of things in the culture of France that we see as um, negative or not synonymous with our faith. And so... Um, we are trying to teach our boys that while we are there to reach the French and we are there to um, share Christ with them and, and we don't want to be a stumbling block, we're going to adapt to certain aspects of their culture. Um, we also do not want to embrace their culture fully. We are not French. We weren't born there, none of us. And, and um, as much as we can appreciate it, we will always be foreign or considered foreigners to their society. Um, and, um, but, but again, the benefits are, um, you know, our, our boys in the process of, um, traveling and, and living in different places and kind of being plucked up here and put down over here and, you know, jumping into a school situation here and then being homeschooled over here, um, they are learning a lot of flexibility in that process. And, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but we just are always trying to encourage them, um, you know, as we disciple our sons that our home, our ultimate home is not here. Our home is in heaven with the Lord. And, um, you know, we continue to pray for our sons that they will know the Lord. Um, if you would ask them today, they probably would say that they know the Lord. But, you know, at, at 12, 8, and 5, we're still trying to discern whether that faith is their own. Um, but it's a great 
it's a, a it's a great um, process to go through with them um, going overseas and and learning all of these things and then applying your faith uh, in all of these circumstances. Well, as you guys think through that, even with your husbands and obviously raising your kids on the mission field, are there any things that you guys have decided to purposely do um, as a couple for your kids or really try to make an effort towards to help them feel a part of the culture to a certain extent, to be a part of the church or the ministry, or just really to help them love growing up on the mission field? For us, I think it was hospitality, just making a point of being hospitable to the um, to the our believers that are our friends that are there, and um, those around us. That it's um, we love the Lord, and therefore we love His people. And our kids are learning how to love the people when they're in our home, and they have to share the toys, or we're making a special meal, or or, or it's just they're over here again and we're in our pajamas reading the reading the Bible. You know, it's just our house was open and that was a tremendous blessing. I think that was. Well, um, I completely agree with Lucy. I think that's one of the biggest ministries too for us as well as um, opening our home and having people and being ready to just open that door. Um, I can think of a circumstance where we had had someone over for lunch and um, our boys for a short period of time were in French school. And um, I had gone to pick the kids up, the, the older two from school and come home. And there was another person waiting at the door and I hadn't even cleaned up the kitchen. <laughs> and so um, just being ready to show them the love of Jesus through hospitality in that way. And then those open doors come and, um, that's not always easy for them to see or to understand, especially like boys are not as into the whole hospitality thing. (laughs) And so just teaching them that this is, this is a wonderful way to show the love of Jesus to either our neighbors or um, people from the church, whoever would come. And um, I think that, I think that the process of, of you living it out as parents is so important of them seeing your walk with the Lord and seeing you set that example uh, for them that, you know, I mean, again, it's all, it's all the work of the Lord in their hearts. We're praying that that will all come together and that they will follow the Lord faithfully as well. But it's, it's, it's our part as well that we have to be faithful in setting that example. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, hospitality is a huge way that we try to do it as a family um, to reach out to the people and have our children really be a part of the ministry as much as we can meet the needs uh, that we see around us, whether it's the kids going through their toys or their clothes or moving children out of one room to join children in another room so we can have a room open for someone to stay with us for a while. But um, it's definitely like an 18-year journey of being an example of what hospitality and loving the stranger looks like um, for your children. Cause, um, and really the Lord would have to, will have to still give them the heart to love uh, the hurting um, because of Christ because it's not always hard to love the unlovely. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, we can romanticize the idea, but um, on the day to day, minute by minute, when you're like, oh wow, there's ten other people living in the house, and I just, yeah, just 
you know, in the day of it, it's not always as lovely as you would like to talk about it to be. But for your children to see the example, have you continue to be hospitable? You're going to continue to serve. You're going to continue to love all the different cultures. I mean, the uh, different cultures in our church, there's ladies that have really different opinions of dress that have, you know, said things to our girls that we would be like, that was fine. So just loving in so many different ways like that, not getting so easily offended. Josh talks about we have to have small toes. And, um, but so I think, yeah, I wish it was a this week, children, we are going to learn how to <laughs> love the people here. But I think um, no matter where we are, it's just 18 years of with God's help it being an example of what that looks like. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Just to realize that it starts with our example, right? As parents that we just desire to, to be faithful and they see that. And just, it's so wonderful to see even just the flexibility and the adaptability of children and how if they see that that's your home, then that's where they're comfortable. And they have such a joy in getting to know the people and the church and being a part of that there. And that's wonderful to see how the Lord has, has made children to adapt in such ways. But Thank you, ladies, so much for sharing that. Well, we're starting to run out of time, as we usually do. <laughs> so if you have children that you need to pick up, please feel free to do so. But I, we're going to just close in prayer. So if there's any updates, Marta or Julia or Lucy, that you guys want to give us how we can be praying specifically, either for your family, in addition to what we've already heard, or in ministry terms, we'd love to hear that. And then if anybody, I would just love to call on three of you to each pray, one for Julia, one for Marta, and one for Lucy. So I'll just ask for a few volunteers in a minute. But let's just hear how, if there's any other ways that we can be praying for you guys. Um, so for us, we're still uh, we're still officially on furlough. We're, one of our prayer requests is that the Lord will provide the finances for us to return to France soon. Um, and uh, a more pressing prayer request is that we uh, are able to um, determine where we're going to stay since we've extended our time here in California. Um, we have something lined up that we could take, uh, but it's about an hour and a half away from grace. And so we're praying that the Lord would provide something closer that we would be on our own as a family. We do have a couple of options, I think, as backup with families, which would be fine um, for short periods of time. But again, since we've been with a lot of families over the last year, I think we're just craving some time as a family um, on our own so that we can kind of, um, yeah, we've spent a lot of time with my sister-in-law and her family. So we have a lot of things that we're working on correcting right now. <laughs> um, but just again, that the Lord would give us wisdom in, in deciding all of those things and that he would provide the right place for us to stay as we've extended our trip and for the finances. Yeah, I think for us um, immediately is I'm flying out Friday morning so we can just pray for McKenna and Cambria and they're settled into a really cute place, but it's just still a 30-hour plane trip away so we can pray for them and um, and for their little siblings, honestly. Love them so much and that is so hard. Like Levi could go on an absolute like sob sometimes as he misses his big sisters, which is very sweet, but 
hard. And then you can also pray. We have two, two of our children are special needs, one severely special needs and another one just very difficult learning disabilities. So um, everyone always went, how do you do them when they're so little? But honestly, as they've gotten older, it's been a little bit more challenging, some decisions to make now that they're teenagers, how I can best help them and what the future looks like and, yeah, how to love them and help them best. If you could pray with us for that, for Muzi and for Zanelli. Um, my prayer request is very close to Julia's as we're in transition and um, waiting for churches to tell us that, yes, they can and or how much and, um, yeah, just finances. And so as we... Our, our trust is being stretched and, um, yeah, just thankful for all of you guys here at Grace that have been praying and have continued to support and, and prayers and, and other ways and just for the housing that's here and just all kinds of things that we're ble- uh, very thankful for. And so, um, yeah, so that, I think that would be the main prayer. Sure, absolutely. Well, if anyone would be willing to pray, we're going to pray for Lucy. If anyone can come up and do that, that would be wonderful. Glenna, do you mind if I ask you? And Marta, if anyone can come up and we can just pray for Marta. Let's see, Shirley, do you mind? Or did Shirley already leave? Oh, there she is. Shirley, do you mind praying for Marta? And then for Miss Julia. Anybody willing to pray for Julia? Gertrude, do you mind if I call on you to come on up? (laughs) I don't usually call them out like this. This is a fun little (laughs) wake-up session. (laughs) Thanks, you guys, so much. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for David and Lucy. We thank you for saving them, first of all, for bringing them together as a couple, for uniting them in the purpose of serving you wherever you would take them. We thank you for how they really dropped everything to go to South Africa and minister for you in the church for three years. And uh, we thank you for their willingness to go back, their eagerness even to go back and serve you there in Johannesburg alongside the Cantrells and others. And we just pray for your provision as they wait. We pray for your timing. Uh, We know that you um, are sovereign over all of the little things that have to happen in order for them to get there. We thank you for caring for them and providing for them up to this point. And we know that we can trust you for your provision for them in the future and for um, being a God who sees what we can't see and who is able to overrule um, obstacles that to us seem insurmountable. So we just pray that you would provide for them, that you would guide them. Bless little George and and Ruth. Lord, I pray that you would, um, as they grow, Uh, that their childlike faith would grow into mature and confident faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We know that that would bring their parents the most joy, and we pray that you would prepare the ministry for them ahead, uh, that you would just um, put before them tasks that are uniquely suited to their giftedness, and we pray that you would protect them, that you would bless them, that you would cause their ministry to bear much fruit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lord God, we thank you so much for each missionary family that's been sent out, Lord, knowing that it is your plan that the gospel be reached to every part of the world. And so I thank you for Josh and Marta, Lord. I thank you for the ministry and the life that you've given them in South Africa. Thank you for each one of their nine children. And I know the blessing that they have been to them and the way they can pour out first their love for you through the children, Lord. And I pray that you would continue to bring fruit to their ministry, Lord, that you would continue to grow it and give them the wisdom they need eat with the children, and then as they extend it to the church and to all the ministries they're involved in, even the local ladies and the people who need that encouragement without the invitation, Lord. Thank you for Marta's great attitude in seeing that the smile is at the beginning of the race and at the end, Lord, but we thank you, Lord, because you can still fill us with that joy even as we endure and press on in that race, Lord. I know that it's going to be a hard day for her and for her girls on Friday as she says goodbye to them, and so I pray, pray that your mercies would be poured out in abundance, Lord. I pray that uh, Cambria and McKenna, Lord, would hold tight the the sweet love that they know they have from their parents and the rest of their family, Lord, but that you are sovereign in all your plans, Lord, that you have prepared a way, Lord, and that your ways are perfect, Lord. I pray they would each hang tight, Lord, to the love that they have for you, knowing that that love will carry across the miles and the 30 hours of flying. I pray for Marta, and that know that's going to be a very long, lonely flight on the way home, Lord, and I pray that you'd minister to her heart, Lord, that you would fill her with joy and thankfulness and good memories, Lord, always remembering the hope that is in her, Lord, knowing that we have that hope of one day forever being united together forever and ever in heaven, praising you together, Lord. I pray your mercies to be great in every way as she goes back, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, we bring before you the March family. We thank you that um, we can pray for them. We thank you that we can also know that you are in control of their lives, that you have... um, You've given them this time of furlough, but it also has helped them to be strengthened in their own family, knowing that they would like to be just together, just the five of them, in a place. And, Lord, we we would ask that you would open up that spot for them, that you would give them a place that would be closer to church, and that, um, that it would be a place of joy, a place of hospitality, a place of continuing being on in the word and so lord i just pray that you would um, open up that spot for them we also pray for their opportunity to go back to france and lord you know if that's the best place for them or not um but we just pray that you would bring along those finances in the right time that um that it would be all according to your word. I I just thank you for the many trials that they've gone through these past four years because it has brought them to this point where they have such a heart's desire to be on the mission field and such a heart's desire to to see a church grow and and to um, even with their boys that they have a desire to um, as she said be flexible and to um, go back to France. And so, Lord, I just pray you would continue to nurture this um, heart's desire that they have, Lord. I thank you for the testimony that has been shared this morning from each of the ladies and and that how you have worked mightily in each one, that it's of you that they have done well. It's of you that there has been joy. And, and so I just pray now that you would be with each one and that you would um, bless them for their faithfulness to you. In your name, amen.